Have you heard of this thing called the metaverse? And did you know that architects, the people responsible for building the real world, are in fact flocking to it? Join us in this edition of Breaking New Ground, podcast by Vim, where we'll talk to two VR enthusiasts that have bridged the gap between the real world and the digital metaverse and what it means to them, their architectural profession, and the places we work, live, and play in. I'm your host, Joel Pennington, and my first guest is Johan Hanegraaff, architect and vice president of Archeo. Archeo is a collaborative virtual reality design app that enables people to easily sketch buildings or entire urban plans in VR and AR. Joining us is Samuel Arsenault-Brassard, product owner at Vim, BIM specialist extraordinaire, and designer at the Museum of Other Realities VR Experience. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Good. Now you Thanks can say super us. smart things. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us here. Oh, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, but enough with the pleasantries. Let's get right into it. Uh, I want to know what the metaverse is and why why people are getting the metaverse wrong. Tell, tell me what's going on with the metaverse, guys. And, and maybe, Johan, we'll start with you. Okay, okay. Uh, so the metaverse is uh, it's a new concept. It's actually it's actually not that new. Uh, it's been in, like, something that's been in development for for many years already. Since we have uh, computers to to step into uh, games and and virtual worlds that are different from our own world. Uh, like what people are talking about when it comes to metaverse is like having one completely digital world where you can meet and do all the special activities that you can that would normally happen in the real world. So this concept got a lot more attention since we have all the virtual reality, augmented reality devices, uh, and it, it got a lot more approachable for people to completely immerse themselves in a different world. Okay, now, but you're an architect, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're, you make the real world. Yes. So... <laughs> Why are you also trying to make a virtual copy of it? Um, I think for the, the, like mostly what drags me into it is the abilities you're able to have in uh, like the digital worlds, like the things you can do there that are not possible in the real world uh, because you don't, you're not limited to gravity, budgets, uh, like the, the physical materials, uh, like things can be completely different in this virtual world. So it's it's no holds barred, full on, whatever you want to do. Yeah, uh, is it the Wild West? Is that what we're dealing with here, Sam? Is it the Wild West? Um, yes and no. It's new limitations. It's the destruction of old limitations like gravity, uh, you know, moisture, uh, mold uh, being being robbed in your building, uh, things like that. So we are liberating ourselves from the traditional limitations, but there are new limitations that are also important uh, to understand and, and that will actually shape the designs, such as triangle count, texture sizes. And um, what I've been looking into a lot is basically creating architecture that uses what's called uh, occlusion calling. Um, so that it's a special computer technique where basically you, you don't calculate what you don't see. So if you use it intelligently, um, it can kind of 
melt away and become invisible, but allow you to show, for example, lots of art in every single room and and more things. And and if if you know the rules of the game, you can push it a lot further. But there 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 are new rules despite all the new uh, freedoms. Okay, so we're giving up gravity and water damage, but we get poly count limitations. That's right, and of course, without gravity, a whole new aesthetic emerges. Um, really? As well as, you know, you can have um, generative art, right? You can have things that are moving that respond to people, whereas in, in, in real life, those things are harder to accomplish. So um, so who cooked this metaverse thing up? Where, where did it come from? And what is there one? Are there a hundred metaverses? Is this going to become uh, like the battle for who owns the metaverse? I think sort of a bit. Like uh, there are several metaverses already out there, and there's a lot of companies that that want to own it because if you own it, you can uh, make the most money of it, of course. Uh, but the metaverse concept is not something new, and there has been like several mul massive multiplayer online games that are considered metaverse by people. Like there's there's things like Second Life that are pretty old that that were considering themselves the metaverse. Uh, so it's just uh, I don't think there will be only one metaverse. There will always be many of them. And maybe to get back at the core definition, so it's a sci-fi concept. Um, and I don't remember if it was the author of Snow Crash or another one. I have actually have not read those books. But for, from what I've researched, it's basically an all-encompassing uh, transitionary space, meaning that the VR and AR worlds now uh, meld into each other. If I remember correctly, some people in that fictional world were basically 100% shut into the VR space. So they were like, their bodies would degrade and they would be always in VR and in AR and things like that. But really their physical bodies like stuck in a basement rotting somewhere. So obviously we don't want that. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> now that's, so the other thing that's important to understand is the concept of the metaverse in sci-fi is where a whole culture and economy emerges um, as a kind of almost parallel world. So we're definitely nowhere near there. Today, people try to uh, appropriate the concept of the metaverse where it's been diluted so much that it basically just means a VR game that's multiplayer. We're, we're, we're quite far from the real concept of metaverse. And some companies that may be um, confused for the metaverse, such, all, such as Altspace VR, they do a lot of effort to say, we are not the metaverse. There is no permanence here. Uh, this is, you know, they're, they're actually actively saying, no, 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 this is not it. The metaverse is something much, much bigger. But yeah, we, we see basically, you know, somebody will do multiplayer Pong and all of a sudden they call it the metaverse because their marketing department likes it. Um, so people have appropriated the word for many, many, many other reasons. Right. Okay, so Johan, metaverse is this a good thing? Yeah, I think I think so. It's just uh, like another uh, place for people to meet. Like there's been many like kind of uh, like human interactions. It's like one of the base things that they learn in architecture school, like how to make uh, like a nice space to meet other people, spaces to hang out for a longer time. Like people, they spend a lot of time redecorating their houses. Uh, this this will just be a new thing, a new way to. Uh, interact with uh, digital content uh, and live with that digital content. So, so how? What is the architect's role 
in the metaverse? Is it to create these nice spaces? I think we can be uh, of help here. Like, like with traditional, the traditional building world, uh, not everything we see around us is designed by architects. There's actually a lot of projects that are mostly designed by developers in the end or, or users themselves, like they built their own house in the end. Uh, but, but architects, they, they trained and they studied for, uh, like creating better spaces and they, they can help uh, also in, and this is already happening in video games, they can help to make those spaces more pleasant and make those spaces make more sense. Because if you just do something uh, without having studied for it, it will of course not be the same quality as, as someone who studied for it. Right. So would a good example in the real world be like a strip mall, probably not designed by an architect? <laughs> Often they are still designed by an architect, but <laughs> oh, they are. <laughs> yeah, they they are fire, are, fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, there's like different, uh, let's say, like levels of creativity that you can have in in architecture uh, expression. Like you have the, the museum kind of skill projects where let several mm -hmm. uh, like big firms in the world, like big names, are competing for uh, like a nice prestigious project. And you just have the day-to-day -day business uh, architecture, drawings that have to be made, things that have to be coordinated. And that's a big part of the architectural process that is a bit less important in the uh, metaverse because it's not, uh, it doesn't need to have all those complex uh, water tightness and all the other properties needed. So if uh, architects who go to school to learn about, um, about place, places where people congregate, work, live, play, etc. Um, it's all three-dimensional, of course, because it's the real world. It does sound like they're uh, pretty well set up to build the virtual equivalence of that. Now, um, Johan, it's not like we just picked you up off the street and wanted to talk to you. Turns out Archeo is doing something about this. Yeah, yeah, correct. Why don't you um, why don't you tell us a little bit about why Archeo is playing a role here? So Archeo is based on the the concept of uh, like meeting in this shared virtual space, uh, and we're using these uh, these new tools and technologies to uh, allow people to see the other uh, person in real time, and then make uh, create things on top of a, a virtual table. So you can use this virtual table to load city models, building models, and you can come up with new creations uh, in real time. So we're using the, the kind of concept of virtual space and meeting socially in these virtual spaces to create buildings. And we highly focus on the actual build architecture to right. uh, like make it very similar to like uh, what, what architects typically do still is make, they make a lot of uh, scale models. They, they work with drawings and scale models. And, and this is kind of mimicking that environment where you're standing around the table and creating uh, a new model, but this time virtually. Right. Okay. So, uh, so instead of building physical mockups your, your, or physical models, um, people who use Archeo can build, build them virtually. Yeah. And my understanding is they can do this in while in virtual reality. Correct. Um, so, so they're, they're building it while they can see it construct around them. Um, and what kind of, uh, 
What kind of experience are you seeing, or how is the experience changing、um, when you see people use Arcio? So、uh, typically,、uh, I think everyone remembers, like it's mostly if architects are listening in, everyone remembers that time that they first designed something, they drawn something on paper on a on a two D screen, and then then it went to the actual building site. Maybe you can compare it to photos, like you you just seen a photo of a project, and then you went to the actual product.、Um, you're always a bit surprised of like, oh, this doesn't really look、uh, as I thought it was going to look, and With、uh, virtual reality, you you don't longer have that question about scale and and human、uh, perception of that space. You you directly see what is going to be there in the real world in terms of scale and proportions.、Uh, that's actually a big flaw in the way we design buildings now. We still design in two D, but、mm. when we go to the actual site, it's actually always a bit different than、uh, even the most. Skilled architect can think of, right? Oh, okay. So, how does、um, uh, have you had people start to use Arcio and say, "Oh, I I had no idea it would actually be like this." So we had、uh, some cases where. Uh, students and, and teachers, they they literally told us that this this was、um, a, a, it. It's very weird that we we were designing in two D screens before when they、mm-hmm. started experiencing this,、uh, like standing inside of that space and seeing like what、uh, like certain changes to a design and making the ceiling heights bigger or window openings. Larger, how much that actually affects the the architecture, the space itself.、Uh, but typically, the the tools that we've been using are, are、uh, pretty old school. Like they they th- these things have not been、uh, the tools have not been there to to experiment with this in real time with skill. Right. Okay. So,、um, and the the metaverse going back to the metaverse is going to be full. Chock a block full of 3D stuff. So, how does Arcio, as a tool for architects,、um, impact the three the 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 built experience within the metaverse? So, since Arcio is is very inspired on the、uh, like the typical architectural process of, of building with with foam models and, and cardboard models. It's it's very close to what architects are already familiar with, and it, it's actually very close to what a lot of people are familiar with. Like everyone that made a small model before, they know how to grab things, how to glue things, and、uh, if we have technology that makes it very approachable for a designer with a certain ID, or or even a hobbyist who has certain IDs about spaces, to make these spaces, it will of course democratize the.、Uh, Like the ability for people to make a lot of these spaces for the metaverse. Okay, gotcha. Okay,、uh, I think that that's enough beating up on on you, Johan, for just a half sec.、Um, Sam, you run a museum that's in virtual reality.、Uh, specifically, I have designed the architectural concept for a museum. Okay, so talk to me about this this museum thing that you've built in in VR. So, what is this? Let's hear the whole plug. The whole plug.、Um, 
All right. So to get started, I'm uh, I studied architecture for a really long time and worked in architecture mostly, you know, as a as a designer and an artist, but also as a BIM nerd. Um, and I've started doing virtual architecture and exploring all my Revit buildings in VR. And uh, when I started doing that at around 2016, I started becoming more obsessed with this idea of uh, VR art and what it would mean for the physical world, for the VR, AR world, and and what all the implications are. Um, you know, we, we've had a lot of, I guess, what people call paper architects that just draw concepts or model concepts, and then you get some crazy renderings, but you can never really experience it. So it really opens a door for all of those, uh, you know, crazy architects that don't care about fire codes and, and reality and gravity and things like that. So it goes definitely more towards the imaginary uh, side of things. Now, on my end, I started designing uh, VR galleries and trying to push things further. Through those explorations, I reached out to some artists and um, one artist said, hey, you know what, I, I won't have time to put my VR art in your museum, but you should meet these folks. So that's how I met Robin and Colin from the Museum of Other Realities. I showed them what I had been working on and roughly a year after they were looking to relaunch a Museum of Other Realities and um, did a call and I, I answered it and I ended up uh, working for them designing this uh, this space basically and, and it was very much a process um actually we used vr to communicate the process a lot i tried to be as innovative in the way that i talked to the client as the way that i designed it so it's, it's kind of a long story i'm not sure if there's any points you want me to clarify in it because you know well what what do people get to do in it right so the core thing is it's a vr only um, museum when you go in there, it uh, it has actually its own system for multiplayer. So you can only really kind of handle 10 people in a group where you can all hear each other. So what will happen is you see these ghosts. And if you already have friends that are waiting in the museum for you, or if you want to just chat up a stranger that's in the same room as you, you kind of join a micro group. And now you're all in the same group and you can hear each other. And really everything about this museum is about pushing um, discovering what it means to be a VR museum. And they've done an amazing job in terms of innovation. They have like pre-recorded 3D interviews with some of the artists. They have even innovative teleportation technology. They have, uh, I think they just announced there's a Can XR festival and two other like major arts festival that have aligned um, to have a giant festival in VR. So you can do a lot of stuff. There's also Vernissage. They'll have new artists every month or two or three. And um, yeah, it's it's almost easier to, to, to list what you can't do than what you can do because they've just done such a great job at, you know, um, discovering what the future is and, and they are still doing that. Okay. Then how did you guys meet? We were in the early Twitter revit vr nerd space <laughs> so i i reached out to johan because i've been really into aec and vr and everybody not everybody but like what's easy to do in vr is visit your building what nobody is doing is designing in vr and i've done a tiny little bit of design in vr in like 2017 with the leap motion if i'm correct like when there was no controllers i would use a thing to detect my hands but I'm not a programmer. I'm not going to be doing that very much. So Johan was the only one for like two, three years that was in that space. So I reached out to him and I, 
And I, you know, I was like, hey, hey. <laughs> plug this to Revit massing and like maybe do some uh, scheduling. So I'll, I'll let you continue, Johan. And that was funny because I was like feeling all this quest by myself. Like I'm just creating this thing because this uh, there's so much potential here and using your hands to, to create virtual creations. And it was really fun to see uh, like guys like Sam, Sam doing this already and they were actually applying it already in their, uh, that was your graduation studio, I, th I think I saw, right? And uh, it, it kind of showed me also that I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. There's actually people out there. There's another crazy yeah, person. It's, there, there's it, people there's out there that, that do this, that they want to uh, use these new tools to explore their creativity. And um, I think th there's still so much to be discovered there as well. Like we're just scratching the surface and what's possible now. There's all sorts of 3D modeling tools you can do differently in, in uh, using your hands and using these, these spatial kind of uh, like interactions. And we're really barely scratching what is possible there. So Johan, uh, you're a teacher too. And so you're indoctrinating the next generation with the metaverse and virtual reality, uh, these architecture students. But tell me a little bit about how that experience is going, teaching the next generation. It's, uh, it's always been like a, something that I, I liked because uh, I had a bit of frustration during my uh, study process itself uh, with uh, things that always had to be done in a certain way. And it, it's kind of it feels liberating to just uh, like especially in, in architecture. I think there's a kind of a there's really a, a bit of an anti-tech uh, feeling to it. Like a lot of uh, especially all older architects that are already in this field for for many years, they like the old tools, the sketching, the, the, the printing on a piece of paper, and presenting on an actual poster on on the like for your final presentation. And uh, it's a bit hard to get away from that, but it's really um, promising and, and cool to see what the new generation is doing already. They're they're picking up these tools so much faster than uh, like we were able to do back when we were studying. And and, and it's really uh, like even tools like Revit that before were like. Like, no, don't touch Revit. It was like horrible. Uh, don't touch Revit. It's for, for technicians only. Even those get taken a bit more serious now by the, the new generation of architects that being being trained. I see. And uh, yeah, thinking a bit like where this is going, of course, with like these buildings that we're making virtually in building information modeling. Uh, for me, the next step would be that that building information modeling environment is uh, getting more real time and getting more interactive and more collaborative. So because currently there's a lot of siloing in the architecture field because uh, tools work like islands and they don't really communicate with each other and they they, they are based on a 30 year old uh, base code <laughs> that is not right. changing much. So I'm going to ask a question. And actually, I want you to repeat some of the question in, in the answer so that they could just take your sound bite. I think this will be neat. Um, so the question is, of your students, what student bought work has really surprised or shocked you? Like just blown you away by its, um, its, its effectiveness, the, uh, 
uh, its beauty, um, its implementation. So um, tell us, tell us that. So the most like most fun to see and the most interesting student work to see is always the the work where collaboration actually took a took a big role because typically architects are trained to be the the master designer master crafts uh, person but in reality we make these buildings with like really big teams we have like a lot of specialists working on different parts of the building like they 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 all work on separate parts together. And if they work in the old way, they work on their own separate drawings that have to be coordinated. If they work in a new way, they work in BIM. But in design, in the design teaching, there's like really few uh, actually classes that really force students also to work together and really design together. Like it's often like, okay, towards the end of the process, everyone goes their own way, makes their own poster. You're just going to be the master craftsman. And there's a couple of projects of students uh, that I, I worked with that that's really inspiring because you can see the the like in the design you even see that they they worked together on different parts. You see different styles merging together in one design. You see uh, the space is being also designed a bit more from the human perspective because people just jumped around in that space and they saw the scale. And, and that will, it will really, I think, change also the architecture that we will have in the world if we uh, have this to be more a collaborative process than the, the process that we have now. Okay. And this collaborative workflow, is this, um, is this made easier or is it, is it made possible by products like Archeo? by the metaverse with vr all, all those things yeah, yeah yeah especially like you see a lot of cool developments in the real-time uh like engines and game engines and technologies that have these collaboration uh, engines built in there and and also arcio is, is built from the ground up to be a collaborative modeler so like uh, it's it's not like a bin where you have uh, everyone working their own file and then you sync the changes it's like you do something and in real time, someone can pick up a tree and smash it on that block and it will in real time translate uh, to everyone else. Everyone can see what you're doing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you also see the collaborators and you can talk to them, yeah. which, you know, if you're sitting in an office in two different offices in Revit, sure, you can sync, but you're not standing in front of the person reacting to like, hey, why did you move this? Yeah, it's a bit painful, like uh, working on some of these projects myself, like you don't really know where the other person is working on unless you get some warning and then you are in, in some sort of sync loop for like the next uh, half hour trying to figure out how Revit can and recover from that. Like the, the, a lot of the the work that we do in architecture firms is looking behind some shoulder at someone else's screen and like, okay, if you just do something like that for the next two hours, I will try to stay away there and I will go there. But you don't really see what the other person is doing. And if you have that other person just in that same model and working on that model, it like completely changes how you can work in these environments. So what does this mean when uh, all these these kids in school that are used to multi-user real-time collaboration in vr what does this mean when they go and, and join the workforce what what do you think that's going to be like for the architectural studios that they work for uh i think what will happen is there will be a bit of a bottom-up disruption that's going to happen like there will be some early adapters some young people 
that got this and they're able to uh, to take the client by the hand and invite them in that same environment and have these real-time uh, design charrettes with, with the user and with the clients. And uh, that young generation will have like a major career step because they will get the projects and they will get people to be like, ah, I also want my, to do my next project like that. And then slowly but surely the, the middle and the older generation of architects also will start changing their single user workflow to the multi-user workflow. I have a little something to add on that. Um, I think right now there's it is a lot more intuitive to model in VR, especially when compared to Revit, etc. But I think once we get to the stage where it's as easy as grabbing a 3D pencil um, for older architects especially, I think then that's going to be a lot more disruptive. Because right now, if you want to model in VR, you still have to learn 10 buttons. But I think the the maximum uh, you know bandwidth for, for a lot of people that are more senior is once you've shown me more than three buttons, I quit. Um, and this is from doing a lot of VR demos. And I would even argue that once you've shown me more than one button, I quit. So if you're yes, just able personally, to say, I like zero buttons. Yeah, if you, well, you know, we're we're gonna get there with the Neuralink. Yeah, but yeah. In the meantime, it, like my my older bosses, right? Because really, it, it's when you're sixty and seventy that you actually start doing design. And those are the people you need to get in VR. So if they're just able to put on the headset, take a magical pencil, and that's it, there's zero other buttons, then we're going to see disruption across the spectrum where even the owners and the, the operators get it. I would even argue that we don't need the pencil. We just need the hands. You just make the, the gesture of the pencil, and you can draw wherever you want and pick up whatever you have. Wow. So, Johan, um, how do... How do we get started with Archeo, with the metaverse, with VR today? That's uh, three three questions. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> okay, so maybe let's start with the VR. Uh, I think uh, Samuel will probably um, agree with me on this. The easiest headset to to get into right now is the Oculus Two headset. It uh, has headset from uh, Facebook and it's only $300. Uh, so that's, that's really easy to get started and it's a standalone device. So you don't need a PC or a Mac or anything else. You just buy that $300 device and you have the full VR uh, experience where you can use your two controllers for hand tracking. You can even use hand tracking, AR. There's a lot of stuff in that headset alone. And uh, the tech is really improving rapidly because of software updates. Like they, are, they recently added uh, a, like a wireless link to your PC. So if you have really big models, you can even have like a wireless link to that headset and load those big models in there uh, from a distance via your Wi-Fi. That's uh, the question, the answer for the VR. <laughs> Metaverse, pick your platform, pick, pick your poison, and uh, that, that's going to be the metaverse for, for you for the time being. If, you're, if you really like kind of the second life environments and you want to build your own house in, in, in sort of like a virtual plot, there's, there's platforms for that. There's uh, like environments where you can build your own games. Uh, like if you know uh, Lowbox, for example, it's like a, just a platform to build games. You have something in VR called Rec Room. And that's allowing you to also build your own experiences and games. And uh, there's like Facebook is trying to make some social metaverse. I just like you have to 
try them and pick them and, and see what's uh, what's happening. Basically, pick your reality. Yeah, pick your reality. And if you don't like your reality because you cannot load your, like maybe you want to have some cat character or something and then the platform doesn't support importing your own character, uh, then you just pick another platform that does support that uh, importing of the uh, character. If I can maybe plug in a company real quick, um, it turns out I'm wearing their t-shirt, but basically normal VR is a company that um, if you make a game in Unity, you can use normal VR and they basically take care of all the hard stuff. And and from what I've heard from my artist friends, you know, within five minutes, they're able to have other players in there and uh, see their avatars and hear them, etc. So you can basically create your own app and make it a part of the metaverse if you want that's it for the plug all right strong plug yes <laughs> okay last but not least of course um how do i how do i start playing with arkeo okay so arkeo is currently we're currently still in beta uh, but we have the beta uh, download links accessible on our website so you can just go to uh, is from iceland and then over there, there are some links to just download it on Steam or on the Oculus uh, Quest if you have one of those devices. And you can even use it on your uh, iOS phone or tablet or Android phone or tablet. So there's also mobile apps and, and PC apps for RQ. All right. Very cool. So uh, with all of this talk around um, the metaverse, virtual reality, it does make me think that uh, some of these places will be great. Some of these places will be soul-sucking cultural wastelands. So is it the role of the architect to help prevent uh, so much cultural wasteland work and, and make good metaverses for the, the betterment of our experience as humans on Earth? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. I think, I think, that's the role of the artist yeah, and the it, architect, right? In the end, that's that should be like they are the ones that care the most about it, and they actually. Like, I, I still, I think architects are one of the most passionate people when it comes to their their work and their craft, and they they can never really stop working, and they would even work for almost no money. <laughs> so I, I think uh, that passion is is also like that's going to be. Uh, fitting very well in uh, some digital worlds because I, I don't know if you like played some some uh, games recently, but not, not all of them they have uh, like really impressive spaces. But but some games are really interesting. They're really like like really cool environments in there, and especially if you're in VR and like VR games that have like open worlds, like it's a uh, it really start like you start appreciating uh, how much like a, an artist, a game artist, how much work they put into a certain building or like uh, how they designed the certain streets. And there's already some architects that work on games like uh, GTA and, and some of the, the open world games like uh, uh, I think the Assassin series they're working on. Right, right. Okay. Uh, Sam, wise words of wisdom from you. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright said the architect must be a prophet. So it's it's our duty to explore and discover and lay the foundation for the future. Earlier, you talked about the metaverse. And yes, the metaverse is inherently spatial. And if we just let things go, it's going to be um, web designers that are going to design these new spatial realities. And that 
that would be very sad. Nothing against web designers, but <laughs> we have to take the initiative in, in spatial things. We can't just lay there and rot in our ideas of the past. We have to really boldly dive into these cold waters and, and you know, struggle and figure out what the future is. Um, and so you, there's a new generation, like, for example, AR website, right? What does it feel like to explore walmart.com as a spatial thing in your living room? We don't know that. And, and it's going to be a mix of the new talent that's going to be required is going to be a mix of web design because it's, it's alive and it's reactive, but it's also going to be lighting design, interior design, architectural design. So there's a whole new job category that's opening and we can't get it, you know, uh, cannibalized by, by 100% technical people. We have to go into these uncomfortable territories and be pioneers, basically, um, and also just establish what we want to do, not, not what's going to happen because of economic reasons. We have to project our utopian ideas onto the real world. And it's easier than ever to do that with digital because, you know, not, not everybody can build um, uh, a giant building of blobby, blobby texture. But in the digital world, the limitations of economics are, are no longer there. It's just really a limitation of how much effort you're going to put into it, as well as, of course, triangles and textures and inclusion calling and stuff like that. But generally, uh, we have to lay down the foundations for this utopian future or else uh, capitalism is going to do it for us. Right. Johan. Yes. With, well, we have a real world. There's only one of those, but then we can have as many metaverses as there are people that want to make them. Does that mean that the demand for architects who understand design in a spatial context is only going to get bigger? I think so. Like, uh, and and I would give that kind of tip also for uh, like architects that are maybe currently struggling a bit in their profession. And it's not only like architects are designed are, are trained to really design spaces and to, to have like nice concepts and, and colors and everything that fits together. That, that skill is very applicable in, in this, uh, like these digital worlds and these uh, spatial interfaces and all these new things that are going to be still uh, like they have to still be invented and there's a lot of opportunity there and a lot of jobs also so it's not uh i think we shouldn't be limited to just the physical world uh, i think we will always need uh, lots of architecture in the physical world because we still have a giant demand for housing and we still have to build a lot more than we're doing now every year so that that's also not going away but uh, designers, designers that feel too restricted to what uh, developers want to build or the, the same shopping mall client is uh, yeah, you, you got sick of that, that client. Like there's a different kind of world out there that you can also explore. And that's uh, it's only getting more uh, bigger and more adventurous and more possibilities every year because of the technological advancements that are happening. Awesome. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, a look through the glass with two young professionals who are immersed in architecture and virtual reality and how they are designing the metaverse so it isn't a soul-sucking cultural wasteland. Now, if you're an AEC pro or a VR enthusiast and you're interested in advancing this technology for the built environment, please feel free to reach out to Johan at Archeo 
and Sam at Vim to spark a discussion. I want to thank Johan and Sam for joining me on the Breaking New Ground podcast. And please join us next time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Bye.